What's up, gangi? Thanks for joining me on Ghost Lore of Hawaii, Paranormal Paradise. Most of this episode is based in the thick jungles of Hawaii, so instead of the beach bonfire, I figured we'd hike inland and change the scenery up a bit. I cannot really remember where I heard the story that tonight's episode is based off of, but as a young kid, I definitely learned from the poor soul who suffered the repercussions. If you've heard this story before and know its origins, please reach out to me so I can include that info in the show notes. I did add my own twists here and there, but from my understanding, the main part of the story really happened. So enough chit-chat. The fire is raging. There's some green bottles in the cooler over there, along with some poo-poos, appetizers, help yourselves. If it's your thing, feel free to indulge in some of that Kona gold, puna butter, or whatever paranormal pakalolo you got. Or don't. We don't peer pressure here. So get comfortable, and let's get into this. Dan pulled open the door to the small mom-and-pop restaurant, the kind where the menu board is made up of hundreds of plastic letters and the fountain drinks are served in transparent red cups. You know the kind. A bell greeted him, along with the cold relief of the AC. He was an anthropologist from the mainland, visiting Kauai for a book he was writing on the burial practices of indigenous people of the Pacific. He carried a notepad, pen, and voice recorder to detail the information he was there to collect. Smells good. It was a little past 2 p.m., so the lunch rush had already come and gone. The dining room was mostly empty, besides four or five people scattered at different tables. Dan's eyes met the stare of a man sitting in the back corner of the restaurant near the restrooms. The man gave a subtle nod of his head in which Dan returned as he strolled to the table. Noah, thanks for meeting me here, Dan greeted as he approached. Noah a slender man in his mid-twenties, remained seated but quietly returned the greeting. What's up, Dan? Yeah, no worries. Noah's dark hair was buzzed short and his shoulders slumped unevenly to one side. The whites of his eyes were yellowing, matching his teeth. 
Noah's t-shirt was worn ragged, fraying at the collar. Dan extended his hand out for a handshake, but Noah remained seated, hands below the table. I have a thing about touching people, Noah said quietly, breaking eye contact and looking down at the table. Oh yeah, no worry. Howie Mandel thing, huh? Before departing for Hawaii, an old colleague put Dan in touch with a few people that might be of interest for the book, and Noah was the first he had met on this trip. Oh golly, you'll love his story, but I'm not giving you any info until you meet him. It's really a trip, the colleague said. He went on to explain that Noah was the son of a friend of a friend and had been involved in a life-changing incident back when he was a young child. That's all you're getting from me. I don't want to ruin the story before you meet him. The vague info intrigued Dan enough to arrange the meetup. He squeezed into the booth across from Noah and thanked him for agreeing to meet. Do you want to order some food or just jump right in? Dan asked as he set the recorder in the center of the table. Nah, I'm not hungry. We can just start. Noah replied in a hushed tone. Okie dokie. Sounds good. So... This event happened when I was around 9 or 10, yeah? When I was still one small keki child. Noah's childhood was just like most other keki in Hawaii. School, playing with friends, beach. He was always the most athletic kid in his class, excelling in all sports. Dan observed Noah as he told the story. The scrawny man did not appear to be the athletic type, but Dan held back his judgment. The activity Noah was the best at was bodyboarding, or boogieboarding if you're from the mainland. Respectfully, The sport of bodyboarding, like surfing, originated in Hawaii, but instead of a hard fiberglass or wood surfboard, Bodyboarders caught waves on a foam board about half the length of their body. Not to be confused with body surfing, where surfers skim on waves with no board at all. Noah was a natural in the water ever since he was a toddler. He charged waves that would make kids twice his age nervous, bussing out tricks like 360s, barrel rolls, and drop knees, where the surfer rides the wave in a kneeled position, one knee up, the other down on the foam board. I no can these days, Noah added. I mostly stay out of the water. So... Back when I was small, my older cousins, Tad and Tom, used to babysit me. Well, they never really watched me. I just was always there from when my mom was at work, yeah? 
This day was like any other, and Noah was at Tom and Tad's house until his mom got off of work. Tom and Tad were brothers, several years older than Noah, who let him hang around as they played video games. On this specific afternoon, the two wanted to sneak away to smoke some Pakalolo marijuana. They told Noah to stay home as they went to do some yard work marijuana in the jungle behind their house. Noah idolized his cousins, begging them to tag along. Come on, please. Nah, just stay here. Keep playing Nintendo. We'll be back real quick. Tad and Tom chuckled to each other. But Noah did not relent. Please. He nagged the two, threw a fit, then pleaded. I won't tell you guys going smoke, I promise. Or maybe I should. The brothers side-eyed each other, pondering a solution. Fine, but you better listen to us, okay? Okay? Promise. Uh, Yes. Noah celebrated. The three headed to the backyard of the property, which was surrounded by a lush jungle of thick vegetation. Fern and vines draped the trees like leafy spiderwebs. At night, Noah hated being in the backyard. He always felt like eyes were on him, coming from the direction of the jungle. The chirping of crickets and movement of creatures squirming in their habitat always gave Noah the willies. But during the day, it wasn't so bad. I'm not scared. Except for the spiders, centipedes, and boar in the area. Stop! An opening into the brush that bordered the yard, basically a makeshift trail carved by the wild pua'a pigs, allowed passage into the jungle. Tom crouched over and ducked into the four-foot tunnel of foliage. Tad pushed a few fern leaves aside and filed behind Tom. Noah excitedly followed, a little too close behind Tad. Eh, stop poking my okole. Ass. Step back a little. And you better not tell anyone we even go smoke, uh, hike marijuana. Noah's stomach twisted and turned from the excitement of the jungle along with the nervousness of doing something he wasn't supposed to. He followed his cousins through the twisting tunnel of vegetation, twigs and leaves brushing by his body. Mosquitoes buzzed in his ears, and the thought of spiders crawling into his head holes freaked the young boy out. Noah quickly pulled his shirt up over his ears. After what felt like a mile, but was only about a hundred yards, the tunnel opened up, allowing the three to stand up straight. 
Stay here, no move. Tom and I going over there for a couple minutes. Tad ordered Noah. He watched as his cousins walked behind several trees out of view. After a minute or so, a fluttering in the corner of Noah's eye caught his attention. He whipped his head in the direction of the movement, just in time to see a monarch butterfly floating in its circular flight. Noah chased it a few feet, jumping in an attempt to catch it. He followed the butterfly until it led him to a large boulder about the size of a car. Whoa. The huge boulder was definitely out of place for the area. This section of the island was mostly muddy jungle. A boulder this size would have had to have been carried here ages ago. By a tractor? Noah pondered to himself. Amazed, he stared at the large boulder, mouth ajar, before suddenly bolting towards it at full speed. He jumped, attempting to climb to the top of the vehicle-sized boulder, but before his feet left the ground, his slippers sucked into the mud like hands grabbing his feet. The sudden suction threw off Noah's balance, tripping him as he fell forward into the mud. Ew. He slowly pushed himself up, the front of his shirt and shorts caked in muddy water. Gross. Noah used the back of his hand to wipe off the mud that had splashed near his mouth, then whipped his arms down in an attempt to fling off the excess grime. He then wiped his hands on the cleaner okole but portion of his shorts. Noah. Huh? The young boy turned looking around for the noises, but his cousins were nowhere to be seen. He swore he heard someone whispering, Hey, what's that come here? Where's that coming from? Noah tilted his head, concentrating, trying to find the source of the whispers. Tad? Tom? No response. They were still somewhere behind him, smoking. These whispers sounded like they were coming from underground. Noah walked around, surveying the massive boulder. Hello? The boy bent over near the direction of the voices. At the base of the boulder, near the muddy ground, was what looked like 
a small hole. The depression in the mud was only about four inches wide, barely big enough for his hand to fit in. Noah plopped down in front of the small hole and began digging, attempting to widen it enough to see into the cavity. Is that an animal? Maybe a mongoose? He thought to himself. As the hole got bigger, he still could not see how deep it went. For some reason, sunlight could not penetrate into the trench. Weird. After a few minutes of digging, Noah was covered in mud up to his elbows. The hole, now about the size of a football, American football. Noah could tell the whispers were definitely being emitted from within the hole. I don't know if that's an animal. Noah knelt in front of the hole, curious, as he slowly lifted his hand towards the darkness. He knew it was dangerous to stick your hand in mysterious holes. There could be poisonous insects, mongoose, or other things that bite. Or a treasure. But his curiosity got the best of him. I'm gonna do it. Noah slowly inserted his hand into the cavern. As the tips of his fingers disappeared into the darkness, he instinctually yanked his hand back, startled. Inside the hole, it was freezing, as if Noah had dipped his fingers into a cooler of ice water. He shook off his hand as if it were dripping wet, then slowly inserted it back into the crevice below the boulder. The chill was not as shocking as the first time, but still freezing. Noah's fingers, knuckles, and wrist slowly disappeared into the darkness. The chamber continued to go deeper. Inch by inch, his arm disappeared into the underground abyss. Just as his elbow was about to be devoured by the hole, he stopped. Huh? What is... Are those... Teeth? Noah's eyes suddenly widened. His fingers felt around as it touched something smooth, round, then jagged. I can't... He tried grabbing the object, but it was too big to grasp with his little hand. He continued feeling around the mysterious object until his fingers found two divots similar to a bowling ball. Noah hooked his fingers into the jagged indents and slowly pulled his hand out, dragging 
the hard, roundish object behind it. His arms slowly retracted until his entire hand eventually emerged along with what his fingers had grasped. However, once the sunlight finally illuminated the object, Noah realized what he had discovered. A skull. A human skull. Staring back at him. It lay in the mud just in front of the mysterious hole. The divots Noah had hooked his fingers into were the skull's eye sockets. Freaked out, but also small kind intrigued, Noah leaned forward again, picking up the skull. As he held it in his right hand, he looked at it closer. The bottom jaw was not connected to the skull, and several of the front teeth were missing. The teeth that were still connected to the upper portion of the head reminded him of kernels of corn. Noah couldn't help but stare into the deep, empty sockets of the skull's eyes, hypnotized. He began to feel dizzy, but could not break his gaze. Eh, there you are, Tom shouted, slapping Noah on the back of the head, startling him. Deaf ear, you never hear us calling? We were shouting just a couple feet away. Noah shook his head, still in a fog. He had no clue how much time had passed since finding the skull. Yo, what the f***? Where did you find that? Tad shouted. Inside that hole, Noah said, locking eyes with the sockets of the skull again. Lolo, idiot. You're not supposed to stick your hand inside any kind of holes, stupid. You like get rabies from a mongoose. Put them back and we go. Your mommy going to be back soon. The three made the short trek back through the jungle to the backyard of Tad and Tom's family home. The entire time, teasing Noah that he was in trouble and that his hand would probably rot off. Nuh-uh, you're lying. When Noah's mom heard of what had happened, she scolded her child, but not for the reasons he thought. She was not concerned about any diseases. She was angry Noah had disrespected the obvious burial. She reprimanded the child for desecrating the bones of the deceased. She said I should have known better. As Noah finished the last sentence of his story, his voice trailed off to silence. He looked sheepishly at Dan, who had been busy taking notes. 
Dan stopped scribbling, unsure if that was the conclusion of Noah's story. Is that all? I mean, is that the end of your story? Yep, that's everything that happened that day. Oh, well, I don't want to be rude, but we're... uh, Wasn't there supposed to be a supernatural aspect? I was told something life-changing happened. Not, Not to downplay the skull you found, but... A lot of bones get found out here, I heard. Noah suddenly looked furious. His eyes now had a fiery gaze. It was life-changing, he barked, standing up quickly. It changed my life. As Noah said that, he began to lift his right hand. Dan leaned back, unsure if he was about to get punched. But Noah did not strike the mainlander. Ever since that day, back when I was ten and picked up that skull, my hand stopped growing. Dan looked down at the hand that was now extended out in front of him. It was true. Noah's deformed right hand was no bigger than that of a young child. Noah positioned his other hand next to the affected one for comparison. The left hand was that of a normal adult but the right was anything but. Not only was that hand about the size of a ten-year-old's, but it was disfigured as well. The small, bony fingers curled inwards towards his palm, resembling more of a chicken's foot than hand. It remained frozen as if not able to extend or open. The tips of the fingers looked like they had been grinded down, exposing bone. Small red veins spiderwebbed across his opaque, practically transparent skin. Near the base of Noah's hand were numerous puffy white scars zigzagging across his wrist. Attempted suicide scars? Dan thought to himself. Maybe this story was completely fabricated and the man standing in front of him was just mentally unstable. Afraid Dan kept his reservations to himself as Noah slowly sat down, returning to his story. He explained, ever since the day he held the skull in that hand, intense pain began pulsing through the limb. 
he began to lose dexterity in his hand, as well as losing the ability to open and close the impaired appendage. Back then, the hand still looked normal, identical to his left, for a while. But as the weeks and months passed, the hand began to transform, along with the boy himself. The constant shooting pain he felt kept the boy awake. The lack of sleep caused from discomfort began taking effect, and Noah looked permanently strung out. Dark bags formed under his eyes, and his cheeks sunk into his face. The healthy glow of his tan faded as the poor child remained indoors, losing the ability to participate in the sports he loved. The athletically gifted youth could no longer use his hand for anything, really. The pain kept him from writing or even being able to hold a utensil, forcing Noah to learn how to perform tasks with his left hand. Even the natural sway of his arm while walking caused too much suffering, so he kept his arm tucked closely to his body, eventually causing the kid's gait to morph into a lopsided limp. The pain only increased over the years, along with the apparent difference in the size of his two hands. Noah's body subconsciously shielded his arm from its surroundings, causing his right shoulder to slump down permanently. This is my life now. I've accepted it, he said. Now do you understand? Write in your book that if anyone stumbles on the remains of, well, any remains, never interfere, especially if they seem to be intentionally hidden. Dan switched the digital recorder off, and the two sat in silence for what felt like an eternity. Noah sat, slumped in his seat, staring at the shoyu bottle in the middle of the table. Dan, not quite sure what to say. Finally, he mustered the courage to ask, Did you ever find out what happened to the bones after that day? Noah informed him that after getting his okole whipped by his auntie and mother for interfering with the remains, they demanded the child show them where the boulder and hole were located. However, when Noah, Tom, and Tad trekked back to the spot they had been, just confusion was found. 
The three searched for hours, but could not find the location of the boulder, even though it had been a short walk from the house. It was as if it had vanished completely. Dan couldn't tell if this part of the story was real or if it had been exaggerated, but he didn't say anything. Instead, he thanked Noah for his time and for the unique story, offering once more to pay for a meal. Noah, again, declined as he slowly stood up from their table. Hey, Noah, if there's anything, if you ever need anything, you know, someone to talk to or whatever, don't hesitate to call. I saw the scars on your wrist. I know what it's like to be suicide. I didn't try to kill myself. I. It's okay. Lots of people deal with depression. I didn't, Noah interrupted. His bloodshot eyes locked on the interviewers. Noah confessed, after years of constant pain, combined with the loss in his abilities to do the physical things he enjoyed, pushed him to the edge. I couldn't take it anymore, Noah softly said, more to himself than to Dan. He leaned forward. I tried, sawing my hand off. After years of suffering, the pain had become too much, and in a crazed state one day, Noah took a rusty hacksaw from his uncle's shed and attempted to saw the deformed hand off at the wrist. Having just one hand would still be better than the permanent, debilitating pain. One of his cousins found Noah laughing maniacally in a pool of his own blood. For some reason, the blade couldn't cut past a certain depth of his wrist and had broken midway through the gruesome task. The same outcome for each of the three different times he attempted it. Dan watched Noah slowly limp away from the table and out the restaurant door. Hey, you gonna get food or what? A restaurant worker barked as Dan began gathering his things. The author had fully intended on ordering a plate lunch once the interview was over. But after the gruesome story and sight of the scarred, disfigured hand, he had suddenly lost his appetite. Oh, that's messed up. Mm.
Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Ghost Lore of Hawaii. I hope you were as creeped out from this story as I was when I heard it as a child. It actually traumatized me, small kind. For a while after hearing it, I'd be paranoid that a stick or a piece of coral I touched was actually a piece of bone and my hands would stop growing. I am not lying. I'd compare the size of my hands more often than a kid should, just to make sure. So don't touch people's bones, <laughs> dumbass. So what do you think? Was Noah cursed from handling the skull found in the hidden burial? Or was it a delayed birth defect that started to emerge at around the same time? Do you have a story or topic you'd like me to discuss on the podcast? Or just want to say what's up? Hi. You can email me at ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton in getting the show in front of new listeners, which is huge for an independently produced podcast like my own. Have a question about Hawaiian or pidgin words or phrases heard in an episode? Check out my Instagram at ghostlore.of.hawaii. Most of the time, I'll have a post or highlight defining the word. You can also find updates, discount codes for merch, and memes I come across that I find funny. Although my goal is to keep all information as accurate as possible, I cannot guarantee it always will be. Some names and locations may be altered for privacy's sake. You better not tell anyone. We will go smoke, uh, hike marijuana. If you like all things spooky, then check out a Spooky Tales, hosted by us, Christina and MJ, where we talk about all things spooky, paranormal stories, haunted places, myths, and legends. Listen to guests tell us their scary stories, and I hear them call me by by my name. So I run into the kitchen to check. And there's nobody there. And I start to like hear like my closet door start to open. Oh, hell no. Like, oh, my God. Inside. Oh, hell no. All of a sudden, for no reason, I woke up in the middle of the night. Like my eyes just snapped open. And it's that strange feeling that you have when something wakes you up. You And you don't know what has woken you up until you either see what it was or you hear whatever it was. There are new episodes every Friday. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at SpookyTales.com. 